Hello and welcome to It's No Secret. I'm Christine. And I'm Kat. And today on the podcast, we are answering the question of which money trends can we expect to see in 2023? Now, we are roughly three weeks into the um, new year already, and it's off to a great start. Kat is back finally (laughs) from holiday, which is super cool. Yes. Actually, let's start there. How was your holiday? Holiday was was great. I feel like um, we had a little premonition in the travel related updates and episode that we did pre-Christmas because everything we talked about basically happened, (laughs) i.e. like lost luggage, needing to do insurance claims and getting sick and all those sorts of things. So if you haven't listened to that episode, I definitely do that. Yes. And we will definitely be doing an update or a check up on that because also mine kind of worst nightmares came through too and I lost my luggage and needed to use my travel insurance. So... Exactly. Definitely worth looking into. But anyway, back to the topic. So this year alone or last year, we have seen record rising interest rates, the highest rate of inflation in 30 years, house price declines, the threat of a looming recession and a number of global events that have added to the uncertainty that Mm -hmm. we're all likely feeling right now. So stepping into the new years, there is a bit of good news in that there still is opportunity to grow your wealth within all of this and it's not all doom doom and gloom. So if you were to log on to kind of any major media outlet at the moment, there are a lot of negative headlines, but um, we wanted to take the time to kind of touch on five areas that perhaps you could look at, um, three, Mm -hmm. uh, some money trends or even just opportunities really. So I will preface that this was taken um, as a bit of inspiration from Dean Anderson, Colonel CEO's recent recent stuff article where he kind of laid these ideas out. Um, So yeah, let's jump straight in. Number one is cash is king. So AKA, it's also a great time to be a saver. So I'm going to throw that over to you to elaborate (laughs) a little bit more. Yes. So, I mean, as you just mentioned in the introduction, we have seen record interest rate rises in the last 12 months in particular. And this is actually awesome news if you were a saver, particularly if you're like, you know, leading towards first home Mm. or, um, I don't know, saving for life events or like a car or a holiday or whatever that might be. So this is a really good time. I'd also like to maybe say that hopefully all the of this podcast are savers because we want you to all have emergency (laughs) accounts and other things Um, and you're hopefully getting much higher interest rates paid on those accounts now if you're not now is absolutely the time to change and I'm going to give you a practical example of this like I think my ASV just regular transaction account still pays like 0.1% interest on any kind of savings um, versus the kernel notice saver has gone from paying around I'm going to say when we launch probably like 1.5% interest um, to over 4% interest now on that account. And that's not the only account that has that type of structure. So you could absolutely be getting almost triple the amount of interest on a savings account now than you could have um, six six months ago. Yeah, six to 12 Mm -hmm. months ago. So if anyone has cash that they're sitting on or, you know, regularly contributing to absolutely be looking at uh, higher interest bearing accounts. That's the number one. This also means that cash funds are more attractive. And I think this is probably something we'll have hmm. to dive into on a different episode specifically because cash funds are really confusing in a lot of ways. Um, but 
if you are with an investment provider that offers cash funds, they're definitely something to look into as an alternative to, say, term deposits or notice savers. Um, they definitely. have slightly different structure and therefore maybe different kind of flexibility in terms of how you can access that money, but they also potentially have slightly better rates than just, say, a standard bank term deposit. Um, so, yeah, that's yes. good. The other point that I really love here about cash banking, and I feel like I'm living this right now, but also <laughs> I imagine a lot of people are, is the cost of living is still really high um, and so just making sure that you know you have probably a bit of an extra buffer is really helpful so that as you know those chunkier bills that perhaps you pay once a year start to come through at a higher rate you know mm. I'm already thinking about things like my car insurance rates. and those sorts of things exactly rates mm. that are likely to increase um, I'm not you know caught off guard by that kind of stuff again also just checking on your emergency fund great time to do it at the start of the year particularly if you know you've gone through pay reviews or anything towards the end of last year, seeing if the amount that you have in your emergency fund and cash savings is still relevant for your expenses and your income. Yeah, definitely. Have you done that? Well, it just got me thinking about how a couple of like changes to mandatory save, mandatorily Mm. save um, that I've made and the uh, increasing my KiwiSaver contributions was one. But also I've officially decided that I am going to be (laughs) taking my cash savings away from my day-to-day spending and putting it into, but also into a different account that earns me a better rate. So, yep, I have. Have you done that recently? Um, I've done the recalculations (laughs) of how much we need in our emergency account and I have been told (laughs) what's currently in our emergency account is not enough money, um, which also is not an uncommon experience if you happen to overspend on a holiday. So, <laughs> Who told you that? Oh, just just my just, cat with yeah. my spreadsheet. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's probably, I mean, to the point of like cash is king and mm. cost of living is still high with me being back at work mm. at the moment, you know, we are now in the capacity where we can actually start putting some money aside for savings. But my number mm. one priority for that is putting cash aside first for emergency and then just probably stockpiling a little bit extra um, mm. for experience expenses that we know are going to pop up this year Mm. some of them being fun things like maybe a holiday other things just like life things yeah yeah nice I actually have also done I've moved from a savings account to the cash fund but we do have number three coming up okay (laughs) where we'll elaborate on that a little bit more but also um thinking about spare cash and the Mm. opportunity that it can also create for you so if you are wanting to knuckle down and increase the amount of cash that you are saving, you will be able to take advantage potentially of something called the big low, which is when the, the markets generally dip yep. and then long-term history shows that I, it's likely that the markets will recover. This isn't financial advice and I can't predict the future, but <laughs> <laughs> that's what we mean by the big low. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. Love that. Um, so trend number two, the rise of sustainable investment. I feel like we've talked about this before and mm. you guys have probably heard about this, you know, whether it be um, in the media or from your KiwiSaver fund. A lot of the banks did a bit of promo around sustainable KiwiSavers and investments mm. at the end of last year. Um, so, Christine, tell me about what we're going to see in 2023 <laughs> on ESG. So you can expect to see uh, sustainable investing to bounce back strongly in 2023. So over the last couple of years, probably primarily since 2020, don't quote me on that, we have seen an, an uplift or growing trend of investing in things like ESG. So ESG is environmental, social and governance efforts. So that, yeah. So there's a lot of like stats that we can read out. For example, one that we have here is um, America is committing their biggest ever 
climate change investment, so um, $370 billion in their recent um, budget. So we will Mm -hmm. be seeing a lot more governments ramp up their ESG efforts as well. Things like the New Zealand government has um, made a lot of mandates around um, banks, insurers, investment managers, things like that, to make disclosures reporting on the impact of climate change. And then also, um, I feel like the trendy one that all of the realers and know (laughs) is how Norway has banned fossil fuel cars by 2025. and Germany yep. has agreed to end the use of coal-powered energy by 2038. So it's sure. definitely yeah a, a regulated change that we're going to mm. see more come into fruition this year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Love this. Anything to add? Well, I just think that it's – well, we're coming into probably like the third or fourth year where this has had much more mainstream media attention and discussion amongst like kind mm. of the normal news outlets and um, that type of stuff. And, it, you know, I feel like we've been saying sustainable investing is here to stay and people are sort of into it but maybe not. And I guess maybe <laughs> now is the year to actually have a look at it, see what um, your funds, whether they be KiwiSaver or investment funds, are actually investing in, um, mm. you know, how well aligned to your values they are. I think, you know, I'd also just caution people that sustainable investing is not just going to be this like thing that solves the world and, you know, is super green and meets everyone's requirements. It's obviously going to vary. We're very strong believers at Kernel that, you know, not everyone's ethics are the same. And so you can't promise necessarily an ethical fund because Mm. how are you going to deliver on that when different people prioritize and value different things? Mm. Um, But that said, it's not to say that then you should be like, well, I'm not ever going to invest sustainably or even care about the environment. Um, And a lot of it, as you highlight, in this is to do with like governmental change about where the actual world is going and you know if you're a person that's interested in making money which I assume you are if you listen to the show then (laughs) you are probably wanting to know where you know governments are encouraging the private sector and businesses to move in terms of their own corporate responsibility Mm. and pay attention to that because it will have material impacts on company returns and therefore you know performance and fund returns for sure i was also going to say there is a bit of a myth that you can't um achieve like great performance with funds or companies like as well as be sustainable and Mm. i think the more that we see these changes and the like impact of those coming into fruition the more we're going to realize that myth that myth isn't necessarily true yeah 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 Mm. absolutely yes i'm so into trend number three yes (laughs) oh my gosh i'm excited for this one too so So, trend number three is shares aren't everything and the reason i'm into this is because i feel like from 2020 onwards so many people and i'm looking at you reddit and like tiktok and instagram um we're just like get into the share markets investing is amazing like do this you're gonna earn so much money trade 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 buy 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 never sell and cool cool great like fun there's there is (laughs) validity (laughs) in doing that however When people are giving you that message and it's coming from a place of only experiencing huge rebounds Mm. in share markets, increases in asset prices across basically everything that we had seen, you get a very, very positive view of what shares and I guess equity investments look like. Mm. And now, haha, the chickens have come home to roost. And I think some of those people are realizing that like, hey, maybe shares aren't everything. Perhaps I was too highly, you know, Mm. um, invested in the share market. Is that actually aligned with the goals or the reasons I was investing? Mm. And what does this kind of look like? So, Christine, Can I just clarify, clarify yeah. one thing. So, by shares, we mean individual 
stocks, yep. not funds, yep. and rather than just kind of generally um, investing in the share exactly. market. Right? So the whole idea of like, yes, picking, you know, the three best companies that you know of or investing in, um, you know, five different shares based on what you perceive to be, you know, a great trend or a mate has told you about or you have read on Reddit is yep. not always going to well we 100% know it's not <laughs> going to <laughs> the data says so <laughs> yeah result in the best investing outcome and we're hmm. definitely starting to see that actually play out yeah definitely so if shares aren't everything what is everything <laughs> or what else is there great question Christine. great question well i think the first thing that i'm hoping some of these people are starting to realize is like okay well why was i even investing in the shares in the first place like mm. was my motivation for investing particularly in shares actually the right one and if Mm -hmm. it wasn't what do I need to do instead Mm -hmm. you know we talk a lot about on the show like making sure that you're picking investments based on your time horizon and your goals and you know things like cash and fixed interest um, term deposits are far more suited to short-term goals and things that you know you need the money for whereas shares really um, make their place in longer term ambitions like Mm. you know maybe wanting to buy a house in 10 years or having an early retirement or funding your kids education if you've just had a baby or Mm. you know looking at um you know starting a business later in life those sorts of things exactly exactly right so yeah it's really that long-term investment view and also i think just looking at the wider range of asset classes now that shares are not the only thing that people should think about yes exactly and this is how we perfectly loop loop back to cash fund so yes other asset classes mm-hmm. can you elaborate on kind of what the options are i guess for the if someone's listening for the first time yeah cool so i mean if you're not looking at investing in shares specifically you could obviously look at like property but we know mm-hmm. there's high barriers to entry for that i.e you need a lot of money and you also need income potentially to get lending um so that let's just knock that off the table for the time <laughs> being um there's things like private Private equity, again, kind of hard barriers to entry, a little bit hard to access, money's locked away for a long period of time. Exactly, yeah. quite risky, you know, no guaranteed payoffs in any way. Mm. Um, and then you have things down the other end that are like, you know, a cash fund or a cash account. So we've obviously talked about cash accounts already, um, but a cash fund is basically – you know, rather than necessarily having your cash in one account with one bank or in a term deposit with one bank, you can invest in a cash fund and the manager of that cash fund will then invest in multiple different fixed income sources to try and get you a return slightly better than like the rate of interest that you would be earning on a term deposit or a cash account, but with a bit more flexibility. Mm -hmm. Um, Where I think gets a little bit confusing for people is you can't say that it's zero risk because the only thing that's really zero risk is like your money in the bank really in the sense that if you deposit $50,000 you're probably going to get $50,000 back Um, whereas anything like a cash fund will fluctuate on a day-to-day basis obviously just not to the degree that say an equity or shares fund is much much lower so um but there is still like a small element of risk involved in a cash fund versus yeah. A savings account, let's yeah, say. Yeah, exactly. So if you were like, hey, I've got $10,000 and I need to spend this in three months' time because I've actually bought a car, but I just don't have to pay for it, mm. you would want that locked away in a bank account safely because you know in three months' time you have to front up $10,000 for this car. Yeah. Whereas if you were like, hey, I've got 
$1,000 and I don't really feel comfortable putting it in, um, you know, higher risk asset classes because I probably need that money maybe in 12 months, maybe in like 15 months. I'm not really sure, but I want to get a return slightly better than my bank account. Then you might look at a cash fund. Yeah, cool. Sounds great. Yeah, exactly. exactly why I use it. <laughs> you like, I'm glad yeah. you said that. Yeah, for you. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, love it. What's number four? Number four is all eyes on awe. And admittedly, when I first read this, I was like, who is awe? No, I actually do know who that is, but I know that's probably what you'll be thinking. <laughs> so who is awe and what does this mean, Kat? <laughs> Great question. So we're talking about Adrian Orr, who is obviously a New Zealand economist, and he's also the current governor of the Reserve Bank. If you spend any time listening to talk back, he gets a lot of shit um, here and there, you know, particularly... Yes, particularly around um, some of the decisions that the Reserve Bank and ultimately him have made since the arrival of COVID and the recovery post-COVID and how that's kind of played out, you know understandably so not a lot of people are super happy that all of our asset prices went up ridiculously and then we got stuck in a place where inflation's really high life is really expensive and our mortgage rates have just like almost quadrupled mm. so yeah not a, not i'd a- say generally speaking new zealand's not super happy with you yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. not an enviable job yeah. don't um, read the media <laughs> exactly but what we're probably talking about with this is you know based on all of those things that i just mentioned this is why a lot of people probably i'd say the average joe more so than normal is paying attention to what the reserve bank's doing right mm. i would say you know when we're in a time of the reserve bank like reducing or keeping interest rates the same i'm like eh, cool like i don't really care what's <laughs> happening but mm. when we're in a space of interest rates increasing and sometimes quite significant jumps anyone that has a mortgage or a credit card or you know a business loan or um, even a business is paying attention to that kind of stuff because there is a bit of nervousness around how that's going to play out you know lots of Mm. chat around are we going to go into recession are we just going to bypass a potential recession like (laughs) (laughs) where are we landing on that Mm. Um, and you know you might see that the US Federal Reserve is also on a similar path with raising interest rates so the most recent announcement was was from November 23rd of last year and the OCR was increased to 4.25%. Um, you know, in practical senses, uh, people have seen that play out in mortgage rates sitting around, you know, 6 to 7%, mm-hmm. sometimes even higher. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you think about people that purchased homes 18 months ago and then they, at that point in time, you know, were locking in interest rates of close to 2%, that's mm-hmm. a significant increase. Um so, yeah, understandably, you know, going back to like the cash is king thing and other sentiments that we've chatted about so <laughs> yeah. far, this does, pr- you know, I guess create a little bit of nervousness. Um, I have a it, question. Yeah. If that's right. So yeah, go for it. Um, so I was just thinking, how does do our interest rates or are they impacted by something like the US Federal Reserve? Or why would I keep an eye on that to understand? Because, yeah. for example, when – I saw my family uh, in Denmark, their mm-hmm. interest rates are only at kind of like 2 to 3%. Yeah. And so I guess thinking in a like global economy, does that, mm. like should I as an investor really care about the US Federal Reserve and their kind of moves and things like that? Or? Great question. I guess you would pay attention to some of that stuff um, if you had investments that would be affected by like other reserve bank 
economic decisions, essentially. Oh, yeah, okay. So, you know, people generally care about the US Federal Reserve more so than other um, reserve banks or federal banks because they're kind of a good proxy and the US and, you know, the S&P 500 is a really good proxy for kind of um, just general market indication and like mm. the health of <laughs> the, <laughs> the general world. <laughs> yeah, more worldwide economy and also yeah. because they have a lot of influence on the worldwide economy. Um, and then, of course, you know, as – uh, most people in New Zealand that have Kiwi savers would have a reasonable amount of money invested probably in US markets. Mm. So it's more so for that as opposed to, you know, what the US Fed does is not going to impact what interest rate ASB is charging you on your home loan. Yeah, right. Okay, cool. Yeah. But nice. it's a wider picture thing. Cool, cool. Yeah. I guess my also personal comment on this is just like – know what affects you and try and tune out to the rest you know like i am a homeowner and i do have a mortgage and i could you know get myself tied up in knots around the fact that the reserve bank might be increasing interest rates but the reality is is you know my mortgage is locked in at whatever it is now four point something until you know later this year do I really want the stress of worrying about what's going to happen between now and September every single month? Not really, but mm. that doesn't mean I don't want to be ignorant to it. Mm. I want to know that potentially come September there will be an increase and we might need to adjust our spending in other ways if our mortgage repayments do go up. Mm. But equally, I don't want to be like fixed onto the Reserve Bank website and like reading all the home headlines <laughs> and being like, what's happening, what's happening? Because that's not a nice way to live no. for the next like nine months, right? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Cool. Okay. What's Rounding number out five? Number number? I know. I was going to say this is also debt related. This sounds fun. <laughs> yeah. Perfect segue. I was going to say you can tell Dean's written these because he's just like, and into my next point. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it. So number five is take care with leverage. Now, Kat, you're a homeowner, so this yes. probably applies mostly to someone in your position. Shed a little bit of light on what that means for you as a homeowner. Yeah, cool. So I think, you know, taking care with leverage just basically means um, not falling into the trap of taking on debt when things are really, really, really good, mm-hmm. i.e., you know, interest rates are very, very low, property values are increasing everywhere across the board, kind of feels like it's going to go like that forever, um, you know, and absolutely maxing yourself out to your position and you know, having very, very high leverage and then starting to realize that some of these things could start to cause an impact if, you know, interest rates increase. Potentially there's a bit of like, well, huge uh, cost of living increases, all Mm -hmm. that sort of stuff. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, as we can see here in 2020, 2021, mortgage rates were closer to 2%. They're now closer to 6 to 7%. And that for a lot of people is a tripling. Mm -hmm. Um, when you put that in dollar terms, that's quite a lot. Like the other day I am a diehard like <laughs> news radio listener in the mornings now. I've oh, developed nice. this habit whilst being on mat leave. Sorry, I'm like 50. <laughs> um, but in the morning I do listen to like talk back and the other day they were chatting to someone who, uh, yeah, they became a homeowner 18 months ago. They are living out this exact situation. Um, you know, their interest rate going from 2% to now closer to 6% for them has meant a approximate increase of two thousand dollars per month in their mortgage repayments mm, that now is a lot. that is a lot $500 a week yeah 
that's a lot. And so mm. for them, they are genuinely struggling. Like they're going through the process of like, can mm. we get financial hardship payments from our KiwiSaver? Oh, and wow. we've had to do all the things with our bank of like, you know, chatting to your bank about um, potentially extending the like life of your mortgage so that your payments can be lower, um, wow. finding other solutions, you know, having the free budgeting advice that can be provided by some mm. services, all that kind of stuff and really ramp it in because I guess the problem with this is when the cost of living is also increasing, it's very hard to cut out any fat mm. in your spending. Um, and, and yeah, and it's just a case, I guess, of like caution and being reasonable with the amount of debt you are perhaps prepared to take on. Um, mm. I know for us personally, like we've been thinking about, we've obviously now had a baby. We have a two bedroom house. We don't have a super large area, but we love where we live. Um, and now that I'm back at work, Luke was like, you know, the market has gone down. Like we could sell our house and sure we probably wouldn't get as much for it as we would have last year, but we would also be buying a bigger house for less. And so in the instance of upsizing, Mm. it can work quite well for you because your upsize price is lower, right? As opposed to the downsizing view, it's like you want to maximize your downsize price because you want as much capital release as possible. Whereas when you're upsizing, we were like, cool. And Mm. we thought, oh, this is actually kind of good. Even though I feel a bit nervous about it, it's good in theory Mm. until we actually still started to to talk through well what does the dollar impact of that upsize or taking on higher debt to have a different property actually look like mm. and you know the decision that we kind of made is whilst we would love to have more space ultimately we are better to adjust our lifestyle and be more comfortable with where we're living now and have no more debt yeah. than the other result Mm, because also i guess you know we would like to think that it's going to it's going to get more positive from here but we also don't know that in the same Mm. way that we don't know what's going to happen in the markets we don't actually know like you know if we do we get Mm. into recession and interest rates stay high for a sustained period of time you know you don't want to be stuck in a very stressful place where then you're potentially forced to make decisions around money and assets yeah definitely i was just thinking yeah it's it's a risk. That's yeah. it. All just comes yeah. back to how much risk are you yeah. willing to it's take on. It's risk management, yeah. right? And yeah. like, what's your risk appetite for? Like, yeah. inviting yeah more stress, stress into your life. life. <laughs> stress same same yeah yeah exactly so yeah but I mean then on the flip side um you know with risk and um caution there's also opportunity for people Mm. that you Mm -hmm. know potentially have been first looking to buy a first home and saving for quite a while you know with the property market going down sure it may be a little bit more expensive to service your mortgage but you could also potentially be getting a like better deal on a property that sort of thing too so there's good with the bad that has definitely crossed Ollie and I's mind and yeah. that, you know, it, it does feel like a bit of an opportunity, but mm. at the same time, the, the answer for us is still no, because it's not right for us right now. And yep. so that's also something yep. to be mindful of is take appropriate opportunities that mm-hmm. aren't going to then also stretch you too far. Yeah, really. Yeah, absolutely. Love, Love that. Thanks. So that's, yeah, five top tips or five things that are happening in 2023, things to think about. Um, love to hear from you guys as to, I guess, anything in those five categories or other that is coming onto your radar for the next year. Um, we've just been doing our little like end of year reviews, yes. 2023 projections. I'm sure there'll be more detail coming on that kind of stuff soon. Um, but yeah, anything else to add? We would just love to hear episode ideas. If you, if we, and feedback, if we are, you know forget to explain something or what you want something explained more please do message us on instagram at it's no secret nz or yeah head to the website and send us an email um www.itsnosecret.co.nz that's right yeah Yeah. we'd love to hear from you (laughs) 
Awesome. Well, see you next Tuesday. We'll catch you soon. Bye.